as you know, pastor has been teaching on taking responsibility for our relationships. So today we're going to talk about taking responsibilities for, you know, within the marriage. We have done a lot of counseling and you will be surprised at some of these facts that come out. Well, you know what? She don't like to clean up. Well, when, you know, when I clean up, he messes up. You know what I mean? You know what? He hasn't taken a shower in three or four days. You'll be surprised that these are things that really do happen in life. So the question is, if we're going to take responsibility for our relationship, then I think we could start before we get married by asking some questions. You know, a lot of things wouldn't come into play. A lot of people wouldn't be divorced if they, they knew. The sad thing about it, you knew that some of these things was there. You kind of smelled that a little bit, but you just decided that, you know what? Oh, he's so fine. Oh, I just had to have somebody. So you followed your flesh, and you didn't stop and listen to the Holy Ghost and listen to that little voice in your ear to say, wait a minute, hold up. Let's look at this thing. Let's look at it. Let's evaluate it. That's taking responsibility because, remember, the person that you choose is going to be the leader of your home, are they going to birth your children? So I think at the beginning, stopping and taking responsibility by saying, is this who I want to be the head of my home? Is this who I want to lead my children? So I, at this point, I would say to everybody, let's stop and start taking responsibilities up front before we ever say that I do, and then after we say that I do, now we have entered into covenant. We've already passed all that, and we're into covenant. Now, with covenant, uh, is a covenant a contract? Is a contract a covenant? What you say about that, Brother? No, they are totally different. But before we get into covenant and contract, let's 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 go to Lord in prayer. First, let's make a a confession. If you got your Bibles, if you got your iPad, your telephone, whatever you chase the word with, just get it out in your hands. So I am a believer. I am a believer. I am not a doubter. I am not a doubter. I am not moved. I am not moved by what I see. By what I see. I am not moved. I am not moved by what I hear. By what I hear. I am not moved. I am not moved by how I feel. By how I feel. I'm only moved. I'm only moved by what I believe. By what I believe. And I believe. And I believe the word of Father God. The word of Father God. And this Bible. And this Bible is Father God's word. Is Father God's word. I can have. I can have what Father God says I can have. What Father God says I can have. I can do. I can do what Father God says I can do. What Father God says I can do. Father God. Father God. Thank you. Thank you for equipping me. For equipping me with your word. With your word. Now, Father, we thank you for this time, Father. And I declare that everyone is attentive, Father. There's nothing that will come in in in, in the way, Father. We are, we're focused. And, Father, our hearts was ready to receive the word. And we take this word forth, Father, let it land on good soil Amen. to produce fruit yes, in our Lord. lives. And we give all praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, since the beginning of time when God established the marriage covenant, man is always sneaking in trying to do little things to make it his own. They will come up with contracts. They will come up with prenups agreements. They will come up with everything except for calling it a covenant. See, the covenant of marriage simplifies and it, 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 it expounds the relationship of Christ and the church. And see, the word said that that is a mystery. And it's a mystery because they don't have the Holy Spirit on the inside. 
When, you get, when there's a mystery to you, you don't have the Holy Spirit talking to you to tell you why Christ loved the church so much and gave himself for it. So at the beginning of time, when God established in the government, I mean in the garden, back in Genesis 2, when Adam was naming all the animals and giving them names and setting them apart, then when he got to Adam, it was nothing for him. And God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help me. And then God produced Eve. But notice, God did not create Eve from the dust of the earth. God created Eve from Adam. You know, it's a quote that came out to saying, it's by Thomas Adams. He said, as God by creation made two one. In other words, he took Adam and made two. Then he said, so again, by marriage, he made one two. So through the marriage covenant, God took two beings and made them one flesh. So I want to go to Matthews 19 and 4. Now, we don't have the scriptures on, 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 the, uh, on the screen. So you Bereans and you word, the, the uh, um, connoisseurs of the word, write them down and go back and read over these scriptures because they are very important. Matthew 19, 4 to the 6th verse. I'm reading from the King James Version. And this is Jesus talking. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together that no man put asunder. See, there's two things we need to remember when we talk about covenant. We need to know that God is the one who designed the pattern of marriage, as described in the scripture. And also, God commanded the institution of marriage continue until his return. A lot of times we don't think about this. But in Mark 12 and 25, for when they shall rise from the dead, that means when that cloud cracks and we are caught up, when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are as the angels which are in heaven. So the institution of marriage will go on until death or until the rapture, one of the two. So it is here to stay. So we might as well get used to being marriage, being a covenant, and not a, a, a contract. A contract you can break any time. You can say, oh, I don't like the color of your hair, so I'm breaking this contract. But a covenant is for life. You know... <clears throat> And a covenant is horizontal. You know, it's between man and woman, but it's also vertical because we got to include God because he's the one that instituted. So God is, God is the one that formed that three cords, and a three-prone cord is not easily broken. Amen. All right, Trace, do you have anything else to add? That leads me to think about the vows that we make when we get before God. We serve an awesome God. We say he's a mighty God. Then we get before him when we get ready to get married, and we say these vows. And after doing this study, I was surprised to find all these areas in the Bible where it tells us that we're responsible to keep our vows. Now, my disclaimer is I realize we're only responsible for ourselves. So I'm not talking about when somebody's hitting you side the head with a frying pan that, you know what I mean, you don't need to seek help and do what you need to do. But what we're mm -hmm. talking about here now 
within the body of Christ and everybody following the, the perfect will of God and taking responsibility for relationships. So in that access that when we follow the plan of God and take responsibility for our relationship, then therefore when we get before Almighty God and make a vow, we're responsible to keep those vows. Amen. Found three scriptures. Brother Joe, help us out right here with this first scripture that reads, and think about it. God is, is calling us Matthew 5 and 33 for whoever want to write it down. Matthew 5 and 33. Again, I'm reading from the King James Version. Again, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thy oath. The next one is Deuteronomy 23 and 21. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord God, thou God, thou shalt not slack to pay it, for the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. Go ahead with Numbers 30 and 2. Numbers 30 and 2. If a man vow vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. So, when we look at this, and we got before Almighty God, and we made these vows, we should take the responsibility of trying our best to keep those vows. Not so quick to say, you know what, we can just get a divorce, tear up a contract. There is no contract. We got before God, and we said a vow. We should have something mm -hmm. in us, some type of power, some type of something to say that I want to keep my vow unto the Lord. Because we love and do things as unto the Lord. I would say now we are married, we have made a covenant, and we have our vows. So you have seen in the scriptures where we are responsible for those vows. So now that we've said those vows and we're responsible, that means each one of us have some type of duty or responsibility to uphold. How about those men? You have any special? God has laid a heavy responsibility on the man. Because even in the garden, when, when, when Eve uh, was, was, was deceived, and when God came down to the garden, he did not call Eve. He said, Adam, where are you? Not that he didn't know where Adam was, but he wanted to know where Adam was positionally. Where are you in this position? Where are you in this relationship? Because Adam had to take responsibility. And, and for the men, God had given us a big responsibility in the marriage relationship because he said in Ephesians 5 and 25, husbands, Love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, men, if you can picture Christ, our Lord, clothing himself in human flesh, coming to this earth, walking that trail to that cross, and nailing our sins, nailing our infirmities, nailing our sickness to that cross, because he so loved the church and so loved the world. And God put that responsibility on us men to love our wife even as Christ loved the church. So it's nothing to be taken lightly. It's a big responsibility. And when you love that agape love, it falls a commitment. A commitment is a continual obligation, promise, or pledge to protect at all costs. 
Once love is committed, it's difficult to put asunder. Remember the scripture said, what God has joined that no man put asunder. When you love and your love turns into a commitment, then nothing will make your marriage go asunder. Love. Love is one. The, love is the greatest. You know, it's the, the two scripts that Jesus said. Love the Lord our God with all their heart and all their soul. Love the neighbor as you have. Love yourself. But love is the binding force. And God knew. He said he would not tempt us above we're able to, to stand. Amen. And if he said that we can love our wives as he loved the church, then we ought to be able to do it. So that's one big commitment, one responsibility. And today we, we're going over responsibility, but we want to make simple things, things that every day, you know, that you can live every day to make sure that you take ownership and that you are responsible for the thing that God put in his word. Amen. So you got anything to add to that, Trace? Well, you know, God didn't leave the ladies out. Titus 2, 4 and 5 calls for wives to love their husband. A good description of this kind of love for your husband is unconditionally acceptance. He's an imperfect person, an imperfect man. But God has given us the ability to adapt to that. If we're going to fulfill God's command to love our husbands, these imperfect men, we're going to have to feel that by doing it through their eyes. In other words, we're going to have to realize what is it that a man needs. And when we think about it, in every survey that you pull, the greatest need for a man, besides the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in their life, is intimacy. So whenever we as women decide that we don't feel like it, we don't be bothered, we're a little tired, um, we're too busy with the grocery, too busy with the kids, too busy with the schedule, then we are doing a disservice to that man because we're here to help him, to help fulfill him, to be what God has called him to be. So when we turn around and pull these type of things and decide that we're going to do it our way, and not the way that God has designed it, this is when we run into trouble. When you do these type of things, our husband, there's this myth that the men are by themselves and they can handle it and, you know, you know, hey, they're this self-contained person. They're all right. There's a man. But the truth of the matter is when we do these type of things, we leave our husband feeling rejected. We attack their self-esteem and we tear it down tear them down at their very core of who they are and what they are. We create isolation within the marriage when we do that. When we go on our four-day, I'm not talking to you, not speaking to you. Mm -hmm. That is not the way God has ordained that we handle things. Now, God has told us how we are to handle things, but that's the way our flesh has decided we should do it because we're angry and upset. But that is not the godly way to handle it. So, our house, our projects, our activities, and our children, all of that should fall below our husband. I'm not telling you that we're supposed to go every second of the hour thinking about, okay, what we got to do for our husband, what we got to do for our husband. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying, that we need to leave some energy left over in the day for our husbands. Amen. We need to make time. Some energy love over for our husbands. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Put it back in the spirit. Thank you, Lord. So in that 100% relationship that pastor is talking about, our spouse have to take on, we have to have their concern as top priority. Now, 
I know some of us are not married yet, but a lot of things that has happened to some of us that are married, perhaps if we would have heard these teaching or been deep in God's word to know these things, we would have done things a lot differently and would have had a lot less headache. You know, some of us had to learn over time and the Holy Ghost had to give it to us as we gone. So if you're not married at this time, hey, now you know to ask some questions. And when we do get married, handle things differently. Look for how God says to handle those things in his word. Let's do it his way. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are. So we need to be in tune with how, what God wants us to do. With that being said... The man, I'm going to give you another requirement or another responsibility that we are to honor our wives, both physically and emotionally. In 1 Peter 3 and 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto a weaker vessel, and as being heirs together in grace and life, that your prayers be not hindered. See, that's another responsibility that God has given us, and if we don't carry out that responsibility, then we got a problem. Big problem. Because if we don't honor our wives emotionally and physically, then our prayers are hindered. Anything we pray don't get past the ceiling because we're not saying, we're, we're not doing or performing the position that God has, has created for us. You know, emotions are satisfied through companionship. You know what a good companion is? It's a person who gives with, with or, or accompanies and shares experience and enjoys the company of the other. So if you are a companion and you with your wife and you enjoy the thing that she's doing, and I don't, I don't forget the most important thing. We got to think about romance and passion because men are hunters when you see a trophy you go for that trophy you do everything that you know to do to put that trophy on your mantle but the thing about it once you get that trophy then you got to do the things that you did to get that trophy in order to keep that trophy or to make that trophy happen. Water the rose or it will not bloom. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> All the women got that. Oh, because I missed it. <laughs> the only thing I know we have eyes on the prize. But once you get that prize, you got to continue to do what you, what you normally do. You have to continue to open doors. You have to continue on those date nights. Yes. You have to continue touching your wife. You have to continue making her secure. You just can't stop because now you got it. That's right. Because the wife responds to your passion. Your wife responds to your touches. Your wife responds to your kind words. So, see, you're cutting yourself short if you're not doing these things. A compassionate person... I'm going to tell you what they are not, but you know what you are, so I'm going to tell you what a compassionate person is not. He's not unreliable. Your wife has to trust you to know when, you, when, you, when your word is your bond, when you say something, she can almost take it to the bank that it's going to be done. 
You are not untrusting and condemning. She trusts you in everything that, 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 that she um, gives over to you. She trusts you with her life. She has to because we're supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. We can't be angry or demanding. We have to be love and kind. We can't be insensitive, uncaring, or irresponsible. And we cannot be fearful. Could you imagine a wife having a fearful husband? Because the word says, perfect love casts out all fear. So if you have perfect love for your wife, there should be no fear in that household whatsoever. So men, don't be fearful in making decisions. Don't be fearful in doing things that you're supposed to do, knowing that God got your back because he put you in that position. You were born a man. Amen. And being born a man, God has put you in the position of being a prophet, priest, and a king. In Malachi 2 and 14, Yet you say, Wherefore, because the Lord has been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thou, thou companion and the wife of thy covenant? See, when we take on a wife, she becomes our companion. And God has already established that she is the wife of our covenant. So we can't break the covenant because it's not a contract. It is a covenant. So, Chase, how about the women? Well, the Lord says in Ephesians 5 and 33, or shall I say Paul says, in his teaching to us, everything is in the word of God, what it is we need to do and how we need to operate to get the expected end that we're looking for. And it says, when you respect your husband, you reverence him. You notice him. Regard him. Honor him. Prefer him. And esteem him. I don't think there should be any doubt in our mind after all those adjectives as what it is to respect our husbands. It means valuing his opinion, admiring his wisdom and character, appreciating his commitment to you, and considering his needs and values. Our husbands have many needs. Like I said before, that macho idea that they walk around with that facade like they have it all together is not necessarily true. When you look, and there's several studies that's been done to say what's important to men, you will be surprised to find that the top of their list, second, as we know, because we know what the first one is, is... <clears throat> Respect. Men need respect. That is what they desire. They need not to be judged for everything that they do, every opinion that they have. They are not us. They were wired differently. So mm -hmm. a lot of times when we think of things because we're detailed people, we always expect them to think of the thing that we thought of and why didn't they think of it. But we're the helpmate. So we have to be mindful how we help. But they need room to grow and to think, and they need us to respect their opinions and the things that they're saying. They need us to respect those. They need respect in their abilities. They need a wife to believe that they can do some things, that they can handle some things. They just need to feel this way. A man feels great when he has accomplished something. You heard he went hunting a few minutes ago. That gives them 
their self-respect, their, oh, I can do this. You know, a man is looking for his wife to be his cheerleader in his corner. That, hey, Amen. that I'm going to be there for you no matter what happens. When, when you're down and didn't do it, oh, yes, you're great. You are great because you're my man. Because I'm praying for you. And God is covering us. And Jesus is great and he's in us. So we need to take things to prayer and ask God to help our husbands, vices condemning them. And I don't think we intentionally do, do it, but it happened. We just need to know what it is that need. Another, there was five things. The next thing is respect and communication. We all know the scientific thing says that men can only think about one, maybe two things at one time. And we can think of seven. So when we're speaking to them, it's almost like we are what five streets ahead you know they're still on the first thing that we said you know because they're still trying to dissect what we said from the beginning and we've already skipped ahead so they tend to get in this rut where we're not quite respecting them in communication so they need for us to to kind of calm down a little bit and listen to them so that they can be a part of the process amen they're 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 responsible to take care of us so they want to be hurt. And in public, you know, just embarrassing. I know we've all been around and seen a wife say something that was very embarrassing to a man. And you can see his whole demeanor is just like, oh, my gosh. You're, you're, you're so sorry that you actually hurt it because that's how cutting it is. So these are areas that we have to be mindful of when we do it. And men need compassion as well. They need to be needed. You know, it's okay because you can have the big job and you can take care of everything, but there's something that that man has to feel like he is needed and a part. So we can get in our women's liberation thing and feel like, well, I don't need it. I can do it myself and I can take care of this. A man needs to feel needed. And I think that's very important. Do you feel that you need, you need to be needed? I sure do. Okay. In all instances. But, you know, one thing a man is responsible for, it's sort of hard for him to do, is communication. You know, we got to listen, 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 and listen. You know, we was, in a small, we was in a small group the other night, and Pastor TJ had a question down there about the 10 top things that you want to do when you're listening. And at, uh, for a while, I thought they was, they was uh, bashing men. You know, but then I got to look at the list. I said, you know, am I this bad about listening? Because I probably made about two, uh, two out of the ten that I really felt in my heart that I was uh, really doing. So, men, that is something we really got to work on. We got, really got to start listening. Because uh, I, saw, I found this man, Chisaris, because sometimes we say things that it don't mean what we say. Like, when a man says, can I help with dinner, he really means, why isn't it already on the table? <laughs> you know, when a man says, well, it'll take too long to explain, he really means, I have no idea how this thing works. <laughs> when he says, honey, take a break, you're just working too hard, what he really means is, I can hear the TV over the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> when a man says I heard you what he really means 
I haven't the foggiest clue on what you just said. And I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it enough so that you won't spend the next three days yelling at me. (laughs) When a man says I'm lost, I know exactly where we are. He means no one will ever see us again because we are really lost. You know, but we have to communicate with with, with, with our spouse. You know, we have to listen to them. We have to listen to them and repeat back to them because those, those, those 10 things that Pastor TJ had on that list, I mean, they are really good. You know, when you repeat the thing that your spouse is saying to you, knowing that you acknowledge the thing that she's saying and, you know, not, not, not forgetting the thing because in the middle, you, 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 you hear those four dreaded words when your wife is talking to you. What did I just say? Those are four dreaded words. Because I have no idea, baby. <laughs> you try to go back to the last thing you remember and put it out there. But you know, another quote from Paul Turia. He said, it is impossible to overemphasize the immense need humans have to really listen to, to, take it, to be taken seriously, to be understood. No one can de- develop freely in this world and find full life without feeling understood by least one person and men we might be that one person that your wife needs we might be that one person that understands her we might be that one person that she can talk to and always know that she has an ear to come to so men communication is important we have to listen and we also have to articulate what we really mean you know because the hardest thing for a woman to go through is to see her man fail But if you don't ever articulate how you really feel, she has nothing to work with. So, men, communication is very important. So what do you think about that, Tracy? I think that was pretty good. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, the next thing we have here is God as another responsibility that God has given to women that we need to be mindful of is God said in his word that we have the responsibility of helping our husbands. Genesis says that, hey, he created us as a helpmate for our husbands. Therefore, we have the ability to adapt to these husbands. If that man is making $50 a week, then I guess we need to skip the beauty shop and go back to the dollar store and get some fingernail polish and do it ourselves, and we need to bake some bread. We have the ability to, to make things in the house work. We can do it. We don't turn around and overstep him and go, well, I got this job. It's okay to help him and fill in, but don't make him feel bad or make him buy the Louis Vuitton when you know that we're not there right now. We Amen. need to pray and to believe God and to be a good helpmate. God has given us a tremendous power by saying that, he wants us to be a helpmate and putting that in us. So we have a tremendous power to be able to pray for our husbands. That helpmate situation is when you look at it, the only other place you see in the Bible is when the Lord said he was going to leave a comforter. And if you relate what the comforter does, how the comforter is going to be with you always, your husband needs to feel that you're going to be with him always when he's up and when he's down. Your husband needs to feel that, um, hey, 
this female is going to be in my corner. She's going to be my cheerleader. Everything is going to be all right. Everything is okay. Even though when you have a loving man talking to you, helping you, feeding your emotions, it is very easy then to submit to that man. See, we're supposed to submit to one another, but people get those last two things messed up. One, as a helpmate. As a helpmate, the greatest thing we can do for our husband is be in prayer like the comforter is for us. The comforter intercede for us. The Holy Spirit comes and stay with us. And if you look at those words and you translate them when you study them, it's the same type of help that we are to give. Because remember, we women are the bride of Christ, and he's coming back for his bride. And when you are the bride and the church, the church is supposed to be submitted to Christ. So when we hear that word submitted, they get those last two things mixed up because they feel like, okay, well, you got to do what I say and you got to come and go. And so that, that, that's not how it works. And we, we are supposed to be obedient to our, to our husbands. But that word obedient, when you break it down and you're looking in the marriage situation, it come up to be that we're supposed to be responsive. So when you say be obedient to your husband, that word really means you need to respond to him. Well, they need to give us things to respond. So if everybody take their responsibility and he's taking care of you and he's loving you physically and emotionally and looking out for you, you won't have a problem submitting to that and you will respond to that automatically. We need to do these things automatically, willingly. God wants a willing people. And remember that the wife, the, the marriage is a reflection, type and shatter of the church. So God wants a willing people. I'm sure a husband wants a willing wife. And the wife is willing when she can ha- be able to respond. But you have to give her something to respond to. So if everybody do their responsibility and take on their portion, then we have this plan. This plan is almost like, think about um, material, like you have a pattern, and it's all cut up, and you got all these pieces of material, you got to cut it all up, and now all of a sudden, you need to make this dress. You got a front, you have a back, you have the pockets, you have the sides, you have the zippers and everything. As we weave and sew that pattern together, it makes a perfect garment. As we all take on our responsibilities and do the things that God is telling us to do by his definition of how to do things, we will create a perfect marriage. Amen. 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 Um, you know, men, you know, God says in First Timothy, this is, this, this is not responsibility, and I want to cover this one. But if, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So, men, we are required to provide for our spouses. Well, financially, we cannot block them out. We need to keep them abreast on what's happening in the household. I mean, the finance, you know, some, I've seen some couples that this is mine and this is mine. And nowhere in the middle do they meet. But if God made us one in covenant, then we need to share in the finance. We need to let the wife know exactly where we are in our finances. You know, because she cannot be a helpmate if she don't know where we are. So don't be someone that just blocks your wife out 
on all the finances that's going on in, in the household. Keep her abreast on everything. Honor her in the finances. You know, don't be so, so stingy and so cheap that, that she can't go shopping or you can't go shopping with her. Oh, I'm going to take that one back. <laughs> That's an emotion. That's an emotion. Work on him, Holy Spirit. Uh, Work her, on him, Holy just, Spirit. Just give her the mean, give her the mean to go shopping. Now we don't have to go with him. You know? <laughs> but please, share in the responsibility for the finances. Let the let let the wife be a part of the finances. You know, do not block them out. I got about five more minutes. All right. You know, uh, men, we have to spiritually support our spouse. Because I said earlier that you are the king, the prophet, and the priest. You are that covering over your spouse. You are that covering between the spouse and God. Because that's where he put you. That's why he came to Adam when he was in the garden. Because Adam was supposed to be his covering. So why did he let the serpent get in there? We ought to cover him. We ought to pray for our spouse. Because you know prayer leads to intimacy. Y'all didn't know that, did you? You pray for your spouse and with your spouse and over your spouse every day, it will lead to an intimate situation. So pray for your spouse. Cover him. Because you are to guard, govern, and guide your household. And when you do that for your household, then that starts to expand. Not only in the household, then that expands to the community. Because when they see that your marriage is working, they're on board. Because the only way the world going to see how Christ loved the church is through our marriage covenant. That's the only way the world will see. You know, there's only one relationship more important than marriage. That is our relationship with Christ. That's the only one more important than marriage. Remember, our marriage is a type and shadow of how Christ loved his church. So please take responsibility. Take ownership of the thing that you are responsible for in the marriage relationship. Because only you can do it. God put you in that position. Yes, and there's one last thing I wanted to put in. Ladies, the best thing we can do is become theologians. See, we have to know what the word of God says. Understand what it is God wants us to do. Be able to be led by the Holy Spirit so that we can adapt and be what we need to be in these marriages. If we believe that God can raise the dead, why can't we believe that God cannot restore when you're looking at somebody and say, I don't like you anymore? Uh, this isn't working. Uh, to have an imperfect man do something imperfect. Why can we not believe that God, in his own infinite wisdom, can fix or make something broken, men back together? When we begin to study our word, be in the word, obey the word, then we'll get the anointing of the word. And once we have that anointing, things will change. Things will change. Amen. He is a, he, he's a, he's a, he's, he restores. He's restorator. And he make broken things beautiful. 
God can take broken things and make them beautiful if you just allow them. Can we all stand, please? I know we'll cover relationships. We'll cover relationship with God. We'll cover relationship at at work, our, our work partners. But this marriage relationship is something we really have to work at. The marriage relationship, like I said, is, the, is, is, is the, the evidence to the world how much Christ loves his church. So let's take our responsibility. Let's take ownership of our, our responsibility in, in, in our marriage relationship. All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you all that you have done in our relationships, Father. And Father, right now we protect our marriages. Father, we know that they're under attack, but Satan, you have no place, you have no authority. Father, we put full authority. We come into agreement, Father, that our marriages are attacked. Our our, our marriages are intact. Our marriages are strong. And Father, our marriage is an example to this world on how you love your church. And Father, we give you all praise and we give you all glory and all honor. Uh, that we can that we can go forth, Father, and, 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 and show the things that you have instilled in our life, that we are led Amen. by the Holy Spirit, that we will continue to pray for our spouse, that we'll continue to lift them up. Father, because said in your word, a threefold cord is not easily broken. Amen. And Father, you are that third cord in yes, all our Lord. relationships. Yes, and Father, Lord. we thank you, we bless thank you, and we praise you that, that, that your word is true. And Father, we take this word, we put it in our hearts, and Father, we go out and we and, 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 and we take back our marriage one household at a time. And Father, we give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 and amen.